This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This is the Informer Daily for Tuesday, the 31st of March. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Today, your COVID-19 update. It's Transgender Day of Visibility. We speak to Jeremy Wiggins about how the lockdown is affecting the transgender, non-binary and gender diverse community in some unexpected ways. We speak to Joy 94.9's Mama Mish about what the day means, what help the transgender, non-binary, and gender-diverse community needs in these uncertain times, and more. Uh, if you know somebody who is transitioning in general, uh, who might be around you, it, it's, it's having a little bit of patience and understanding that they're going through one of the hardest things possible, that this isn't a choice, that they are uh, really in need of just support. But first, this update. This is Dee Mason with the Joy 94.9 COVID-19 news update for the 31st of March. Victoria officially entered Stage 3 coronavirus restrictions overnight. As of today, the only reasons people can leave their homes are for food and supplies, exercise, medical care or, if necessary, for work and education. All gatherings have been limited to two people, with few exceptions – Premier Daniel Andrews said further restrictions would only be needed if people failed to observe the current rules. Police can issue on-the-spot fines of over $1,600 for people who breach these rules. Police Minister Lisa Neville says people will not get the leniency we have seen in the past. If you can stay at home, you must stay at home. A Fitzroy bar has been fined almost $10,000 for not following social distancing guidelines. Police found six staff serving two customers in the bar on Saturday night. People can no longer buy guns or ammunition in Victoria, effective immediately for the duration of the COVID-19 emergency. Sales of these items have spiked during the coronavirus pandemic. A new JobKeeper payment will be available to Australian businesses whose turnover has fallen due to the pandemic. Employers will receive a flat rate payment of $1,500 per fortnight for each employee on the books. The subsidy applies to full-time and part-time workers, sole traders and casuals who have been employed for at least 12 months. 130,000 businesses have already signed up for the scheme. Australia has recorded over 4,000 coronavirus cases to date, 18 people have died so far, all aged over 60. To the United States and President Donald Trump says a national stay-at-home order is unlikely. His reason being not all areas in the US have been impacted by COVID-19. The US currently has 160,000 cases of the virus, more than anywhere else in the world. And around the world, the number of COVID-19 cases worldwide has passed 745,000 and more than 35,000 people have died. Over 150,000 people have now recovered. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network.
Now we turn to the ways in which the lockdown is affecting people from gender-diverse communities. Trans and gender-diverse people are finding it more difficult now to access medical services such as hormone injections. All gender-affirming surgeries have been indefinitely postponed to take the stress off of the medical system, and social-physical distancing requirements have led to an increase of feelings and isolation in a community that is more at risk of mental health issues than the general population. The Informer Daily spoke with project manager for Your Community Health, Jeremy Wiggins, to find out more about these problems and what can be done to help. First of all, it's an incredibly stressful time with a lot of information to to process. Um, Some of the measures and decisions that are being made, and understandably, uh, the public and private health systems are going to be inundated and need to have space to respond to the critically ill, to care for people, to prevent the loss of lives. Um, One of those measures uh, and decisions was to um, indefinitely suspend um, surgeries, so um, elective surgeries, which surgeries for transgender diverse and non-binary people are are part of that system. So um, this week, uh, in the last week, people heard the news that that their surgeries were going to be cancelled without knowing when they would be rescheduled. That in itself um, would be incredibly disappointing to many people who have been saving finances and preparing for long periods of time, potentially years, to have their gender-affirming surgery. With it being cancelled, it would have a significant impact on people's mental health, even, even though I'm sure many would understand the need, but it's certainly difficult news to accept. Um, so, you know, we, we are concerned about that people's mental health um, in hearing that news and ensuring that they access support and someone to talk to to be able to uh, cope with that decision that's being made and, and make the adjustments to not knowing when they may be able to reschedule their surgery. I guess some other, other reasons and other impacts for communities, um, it's already difficult for people to find a trusted healthcare provider basic general practice or a trusted GP. The entire healthcare system is undergoing um, changes on a daily basis about how people can access healthcare. Uh, It's obviously um, of no surprise, not the preferred option anymore to be meeting face-to-face. And the federal government are announcing a whole range of um, initiatives and increased Medicare billing items for healthcare professionals GPs, mental health workers, psychologists to be operating telehealth and video conferencing for people, which in some ways is excellent, to be honest, for our community because it does enable greater access for people living in regional, rural or remote areas to be able to access GPs or healthcare providers. But it does mean um, people have to try and either find new ways or navigate systems and, and find out how to access services through a different means or potentially their preferred GP um, is unable to work. Perhaps they have become sick or they've reduced their hours. So everything is kind of in flux at the moment, throwing the whole system um, into disarray slightly. But uh, what we are also uh, experiencing is that some of the funded services uh, who have been doing fantastic work, like the Monash Gender Clinic, and and the Monash Gender Clinic is the Transgender Health Service for adults over the age of 18, recently uh, in the last 24 to 48 hours announced that um, they are also suspending their services for a minimum of three months uh, because staff are being redeployed um, into the Monash 
um, hospital health system to respond to COVID-19. So that's another um, round of news that's impacting transgender diverse people in Victoria, that people on long waiting lists who have been waiting for their appointment uh, will now remain on a, on a longer waiting list or potentially have had their appointments cancelled or rescheduled. <clears throat> the other impact is obviously with social distancing um, and everyone being told to stay at home. Depending on someone's personal circumstances, uh, that might not be a safe uh, option for many, for many trans and gender diverse and non-binary people. Uh, being at home potentially with your family uh, of origin, if, if you're still living at home with them, or depending on who you do live with in your share house or who you share a house with or a roommate or perhaps even um, you know someone's intimate partner, uh, these circumstances are incredibly stressful. Um, and it places everyone under a lot of stress. And if there is a risk of intimate partner violence or family violence or um, situations where there are abusive behaviours, um, these are the scenarios that can potentially trigger a whole range and series of events that can increase the risk of family and intimate partner violence. Um, so there are a number of risks um, and a number of impacts that the trans and diverse community are experiencing right now. Um, and another issue is people even just being able to get to their GP or to a nurse to be able to have a, an injection for their hormones. Um, that's becoming increasingly challenging. And that's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation like that in the community at the moment. So where, where we need to be in terms of um, a statewide health service that does offer um, general practice, counselling, um, nursing, endocrinology, mental health support, we need to respond to this uh, as a crisis and we need to adapt and utilise um, for digital technology. But we also need to look at what information do the community need to be able to navigate these systems as easily as possible without placing people under undue um, sort of stress. So that's where we're at right now. Um, fortunately, um, our, our program is a statewide service and we have sites in at your community health in in, in Preston and and in the in the north and our partner Ballarat Community Health have a number of sites and where where necessary if people need a face to face appointment for an injection or something um, we we will we will respond to that and we will accommodate that but we are also ramping up our telehealth services which means we can provide um, telehealth counseling or general practice repeat scripts writing scripts providing people with support um, referral information and support, we will be there. Um, and people just need to go to www.yourcommunityhealth.org.au and go to the transgender health page to be able to access those services. We are wanting people in the community, uh, in the whole LGBTIQ community, but particularly transgender diverse people, to find out about our service and what we can offer. We have, we have GPs on board we have nurses we've got peer navigators so that's transgender diverse people who, who are trained in social work um, to support people through this time and we have room and we have appointments and we're responsive enough and we have the resources to be helping people now we just need people to know how to get in touch with us so yourcommunityhealth.org.au go to the service access page down at transgender diverse health Share that on your social media, please. I'd ask you to share and recommend to people this is a service that people can access and we're here to help them now. That was Jeremy Wiggins, the project manager for Your Community Health. He was interviewed by Informer Daily reporter Nicholas Kamenier-Sandry. 
This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Welcome back. Earlier I spoke with my friend and Joy 94.9's own Mama Mish about Transgender Day of Visibility, what the community needs, and how is she and her family holding up. What's special about today? Well, today is Transgender Day of Visibility. And what this is, is when it comes to the transgender community, it's um, there's usually two days we have. One is the Day of Remembrance in November, which is um, to recognize those who have been taken from us in violent and cruel ways, where the Day of Visibility is a way to show your support for the trans community and also brings attention to the accomplishments of trans people around the globe uh, who are fighting against uh, like transphobia and you know spreading knowledge of the trans community itself. Mm. And uh, trans people face a number of barriers, especially around visibility. Um, yes. Uh, sometimes just, you know, being yelled at in the street or whatever. And as a gay man, I mean, I was yelled at in my street when I was a kid, (laughs) (laughs) but that stopped (laughs) and I moved away. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to do that. Um, No. So what are some of the things people do to commemorate today or to celebrate? Look, there's there's many different ways that that are done, Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, speeches talking about the things we're doing, um, whether it's videos showing, you know, uh, different people, uh, maybe sometimes some places release, you know, resources or develop resources to release today for like medical. Uh, there's usually, you know, new gender resources that are out. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the biggest problem we face, and, and this is the reality, and this isn't, you know, g- you know, uh, sexual diversity versus gender diversity. But unfortunately, we as a wider LGBT uh, in a partridge and a pear tree community, um, we don't... Um, we aren't aware of these particular dates. So the trans people, gender diverse people, non-binary people, we're aware of it. Like we, mm. we're there to celebrate. We're there to go and say, Hey, we need to support whatever. But as you and I both noticed, even in doing the media that we've done together, that um, there's very little understanding of these days for the community. We even trans day of remembrance, et cetera. Yeah. Um, there's been, there's even been cases where I've done, you know, a show on, on, television or or movies and i was submitted rocky horror picture show as a gender diverse uh movie which is far from the truth so Mm. it goes to show that there's still a lot of work that we need to do together to have a better conversation of support so um unfortunately even today as we're dealing with COVID 19 and the global pandemic it really does impact this community a lot especially when we're already dealing with social isolation as it is Mm. And we've been hearing about trans people who are kind of stuck at home with people who aren't necessarily trans friendly, like if, if they're with their family. Right. And, um, you know, that, that, that does play a massive bit on, on mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, uh, services such as a switchboard who are there to actually help and support um, this community uh, to, you know, have them give them a chance to have somebody to reach out to during this time. And, you know, We've got staff in there who are, uh, you know, who are contracting, um, you know, coronavirus. We got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, funding that's already low enough as it is. And we, we're trying to struggle to, you know, keep these services and these lifelines open. So 
it's even harder at this moment, even though we're starting to gain momentum on visibility and change, things like this take us a massive step backwards. What are some things that you think that the people who are trans or non-binary or gender diverse can kind of do to stay connected with their community when they're stuck at um, home? A lot of us look, a lot of us already use online resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're already isolated as it is, uh, unfortunately, what will happen is there can be become lateral violence in the community itself because of the the pain and the trauma that's already happening. So it's where the, I think the biggest thing that we can do as a wider community. So why we're all lumped together in this larger uh, rainbow family is if we are someone who is, you know, LGB, IQ, whatever, and we have an opportunity where we can help and support or or put together programs or offer any support, or even this time, even when people are getting laid off, if we have means of actually uh, focusing on this underrepresented cohort when it comes even to employment, uh, we need to really step up and help each other with that. Mm. So we're, we're, we're really going to need some help from the wider community because uh, uh, we're still even struggling from things like marriage equality. We're still struggling from, you know, we had the, the, birth certificate reform that happened back in july so the community is really just already tired as it is could you talk about why the community is exhausted after marriage equality i think a lot of people would assume that it would just be a huge celebration but there's a lot more to that story well when um when this was happening uh most people didn't realize that it was the trans community, the gender diverse, non-binary. Now, when I mention transgender, these are the, these are the groups that I'm talking about. So, <clears throat> because transgender is the umbrella term. Mm-hmm. So, what people need to understand is, is globally, whenever we talked about marriage equality, whenever we talked about uh, any kind of bathroom or, or any kind of reform, the images that is portrayed on television or put out there is... You know, images of say you um, and, and you and your everyday, you know, dress wear saying that I'm a gay man, no different than you and, and dressed like you going into a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And that's far from the truth. And so there's a lot of fear mongering that's been created. So during marriage equality, it was constantly trans people, gender diverse people being thrown under the bus. So then we, you know, it took a few months later that. Uh, laws changed uh, as well that uh, in order for a trans person to go and have lower surgery or change their markers, they would have had to have been divorced as well from their partners, even if they wanted to stay in a relationship with their partners. Mm. So if their partner was, uh, if they're a trans woman and their partner was a woman and they would have had to have gone through divorce in in order to make the next changes within their gender identity. And some people want that, some people don't. So that took even a further few months later to happen. Then in the next year, we had the birth certificate reform, which meant that you didn't have to actually have lower surgery uh, or these invasive surgeries if you didn't want to Mm. in order to go and affirm your gender. So, you know, and a lot of people had a lot of feelings and thoughts around that. um, And we had to go and deal with that. And I know that personally took a lot out of me during that time as well. Yeah. So the. um, uh, So then. Leading up to this point here where we're at, you know, we, we've got a community that has just fought so hard just to have its own identity, fought back against, you know, trying to go and help a community that, that really wanted change, but it wasn't something that really affected us, marriage mm-hmm. equality. It affected more the gays and lesbians and the bisexuals. Um, 
and that's fine. And, it, and, and a lot of us do identify as, you know, lesbian, gay, and bisexual as well. But when mm-hmm. it came to gender identity, it had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really progress us. So uh, at this point, then we're looking at things like, you know, uh, uh, employment discrepancies that are happening at the moment. Like when you look at, say, for example, the employment rates, um, you know, there are gays and lesbians who are in, say, leadership positions who are actually employed, who... Um, are quite visible. So they aren't, aren't seen as um, underrepresented within workplaces, right? Or, mm-hmm. And so your employment status as, say, a gay man within some of the places you are overshadows the, the issues that are facing most trans people who can only yet say manual labor jobs. Yeah. And do you know anything about the rates of unemployment? The unemployment rates are about uh, 17% to 18% compared to 5.2% of the rate of the average community. Mm. And, I mean, it's great that the job seeker allowance has been created at, at a much higher rate. So that'll certainly provide, in theory, a lot long- <clears throat> in, in theory, yes. But one of, the, one of the problems is, and here in Victoria, because I've done a lot of work around employment, there's very few of us who are really focused on the employment issue when it comes to trans and gender diverse. Mm -hmm. So when you look at Jobs Victoria, there's a social procurement list that is created to identify uh, cohorts that are underrepresented. Okay. Yeah. And so LGBT as a whole is not on that list. Right. Mm -hmm. But the visibility that is seen from gays and lesbians. So uh, within a corporate space, which is fine. And that's amazing. We have that representation as LGBT as a whole. Yeah. But the, the unfortunate side of it is it overshadows the bigger picture of what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can't be on that list, but then you're looking at transgender people who are really struggling and underrepresented in general within the wider LGBT space. Mm. And so we need to find a way to actually separate that a little bit so we can put some focus on this particular piece of the community uh, to give them a little bit of assistance. So like if I would go and say hire a refugee or uh, a woman within, say, the rail industry, they're really underrepresented. And yep. so there's a funding that are there from the government to actually help with that. Or, or there's even people who are over the age of 65 or 70. The government has income or money there to go and help when it comes to actually placing and, and, and sweeten the, the, the deal to hire these particular people. Mm-hmm. But, in, but in this case, there's nothing there. And when you're looking at the situation of most trans people, they're living in a home of five people to a two to three bedroom home, one toilet, maybe one, maybe one car that they share amongst all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they combine their center link allowances together just to live. Yep. So right now the community needs a little bit more support and assistance from uh, an awareness that needs to be raised beyond just gender, beyond just medical. It's, it's just, it's actually a point of assistance for living. Mm. What can, what can people who aren't trans or, ne- or necessarily LGBTIQA plus do to support the trans community in their sort of everyday life? Well, it's, it's highlighting different organizations that are actually, um, I, I think work is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know somebody who is transitioning in general, uh, who might be around you, it, it's, it's having a little bit of patience and understanding that they're going through one of the hardest things possible, that this isn't a choice, that they are uh, really in need of just support. So what I've had to learn to be a woman in, in hell, really just 
two years alone within my first transition, most women had to go through that for 20 years. Mm. And so for me to, to go through that, I would have needed further support to get there a little bit quicker, a little bit love, a little bit of kindness. Um, it isn't easy sometimes, but, uh, you know, we just need to basically sometimes pour a cup of coffee, have a conversation and just, yeah, reach out. I was recently interviewing um, the head of communications at Acon, and he was talking about, are you making eggs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got it. We've got to multitask when working from home. I mean, true, <laughs> true. Um, right. So I met with a dude at Acon and he talked about um, one of the highest risk things for HIV is men who aren't community connected. And that got me right. thinking about what that is. And that's, you know, people that are, you know, looking at that media or, you know, going out to events or have a strong social network. Um, so what, what help, what can help trans people who aren't necessarily community connected? We are aren't. We really aren't community connected. And this is something I'm really glad you mentioned this because this is something that's never talked about. So I came from not living as a queer person in my life. I came from being uh, from a 2.5 picket fence, married man with kids. Um, you know, I didn't have any of, of that influence or understanding the social contracts, what it is to be within queer community. Mm -hmm. So when we come out, you know, we don't really know where we can go, what we can do, because there is, unfortunately, and I hate saying this because I, I have such amazing um, gay and lesbian friends, even bisexual friends, trans friends, etc. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of acceptance within those spaces. Mm. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a minefield to navigate through. And when you come out and you see a lot of spaces that are gay men only or uh, women only, when, you, when you're dealing with transgender, it's, it's a really difficult um, it's a really difficult uh, uh, thing to find the support that you need around the city. And when we're talking about like women only or, or, or gay men only spaces, we're talking about mostly like social social places. It's just sort of exactly. the first layer, let alone other issues like which toilet to use. Exactly. I mean, you know, that's that's hard enough as it is, you know, going to say the local shopping center and using what toilet. But when mm. you're looking at say i just want to go out for the night i want to play some pool and i want to have a beer there you know and just actually socialize and find my tribe there's no real public places that we can go mm. um, that accept that or the places i have been to people don't really engage with you very well because they're too afraid or, to offend or don't know how to engage so yeah. there's going to be a, a bigger conversation or a, a need for creating some of these spaces um for everyone to come and start understanding each other a little bit better mm. so for people who might be sort of rural or isolated already what what advice would you give them um look definitely be getting out onto the you know your social media platforms and finding others you can talk to that are out there um uh but you know also to be honest, there's a lot of folks like, even like yourself, you know, you and I uh, have uh, connected, we've become really good friends and, you know, taking a chance and actually putting yourself out there and having conversation and, mm -hmm. and don't judge people immediately the way people, you feel people are judging you and just being open and honest and, and putting yourself out there is probably one of the best things you can do. Mama Mish speaking with me earlier today. 
That's it for us today. We'd love to hear what you think about our show. Shoot us an email at theinformer at joy.org.au or find us on Facebook. Let me know what you think. I'd like to thank Nicholas Kamenyusandri, Judy Kelly, Dee Mason, Emily Johnson, Alejandro Layton, and Rachel Tyler-Jones for their help today. We'll be back live on tape from my lounge room tomorrow. I'm Arian Potts. Mahalo. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.